Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. If you're looking for jewelry that makes an impact on your self-care routine and your style, Empowerography would love to offer you a discount code to one of our exclusive partners, Quartz and Canary Jewelry and Wellness Company. Please use code EMPOWER15 to receive 15% off upon checkout at www.quartzandcanary.com. Quartz and Canary is truly the place where spirituality meets style. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest is Jelana Aldermarsh. She is the founder of The Happy Box, The Happy Studio, and Happy Hearts Global. She's based in Dubai. How are you doing today, Jamana? I'm really good. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. How's your day going so far? I know you're well into your day, so. <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's going really well. Super busy, but hey, busy is great. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for taking the time and being here today with me and sharing a bit about your story and your journey. I appreciate you taking the time and appreciate you being part of the Empowerography community. Thank you. I'm really looking forward to it and I appreciate and very honored to be here. Well, thank you. Let's jump right in. So you have quite the extensive resume. You're an award-winning social entrepreneur and philanthropist. You are the co-founder of The Happy Box and the founder of two global brands, The Happy Studio and Happy Hearts Global. In addition to all this, you're also a mom. How do you find the time to run three brands? I mean, I assume they're all intertwined and related, but that's still a lot on your plate. I mean, it is, it is very, I, it is quite a bit, (laughs) it's pretty insane actually, but I have found that delegating is really the key. It is absolutely magic. Um, I'm very organized, I must say, in terms of my time. Um, I do make an effort that if I give my time to my daughter, that I'm there a hundred percent. If I give my time to my work, that I'm there a hundred percent. I think delegating and time management is key Um, and it is an adventure I mean one day I'm an absolutely incredible mother and you know I may not give my 100% to you know the brands that I'm running and then one day you know I give 100% to the brands that I'm running and I'm you know and I'm mediocre as a mom and that's okay (laughs) you know so you accept it along the way and it is uh, it is what it is it's all about balance right absolutely and I think, you know, perfectionism, there's no such thing as perfectionism. Right. You just you just take it as it comes one day at a time and you make things work to your best and you learn from it along That's the right. way. That's all we can do, right? Absolutely. Now, you also have quite the educational resume behind you. Can you tell us a bit about your educational background and what the original path or plan was for when you started your post-secondary educational journey? I mean, it wasn't always to be an entrepreneur, was it? No, absolutely not. Being an entrepreneur was never in in my future, you know, plan, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in the philanthropic world. My father was a former UN ambassador and we moved around a lot. And growing up, I always wanted to be in the social development sphere. Post-secondary, I decided to, you know, to specialize in community and ethnic studies because I was always fascinated by the symbolic construction of a community mm-hmm. and how with different 
different nationalities, how that, you know, that plays about and, you know, the power of community as well as a voice. And I completed my undergraduate from Concordia University. Uh And then I moved on to completing my master's in Oxford University, where I focused on evidence-based social intervention, which is more about, you know, based on the evidence, how best can you implement social policies? My career path has always been government, uh, and I always saw myself serving the government or working in the non, uh, non-governmental sphere. So entrepreneurship was definitely not, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> not quite in my books, <laughs> yeah, no not kidding. in my books at all. <laughs> wow. But you, it's, it's been quite a journey, I must say. I'm sure it has. You started your entrepreneurial journey back in 2014, right? Yes, May 2014. So what were you doing before that journey started? Were you working in with the government then? Yes. So I served uh, served two governments, uh, Mm -hmm. the Jordanian government, where Mm -hmm. I worked for the office of Her Majesty Queen Rania Al-Abdullah. And I learned so much. That was like at the beginning of my career. I served the royal court there and I worked in international affairs. And then I moved to Dubai and I served uh, His Highness Sheikh Mohammed bin Rashid Al Maktoum's office, uh, the executive office actually. And he's the, you know, he's he's he was just incredible. I think I got the entrepreneurial bug from serving a number of the projects that I worked on right. under the executive office. All of them were pretty massive and pretty. I mean, the outlook was huge. That I just. You know, if you were, it was, it was really interesting because we would go into meetings and we would pitch an idea and we knew we had to implement it like yesterday. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. going bold with massive ideas, I think that ability to dream, I got it a lot from working in Dubai and also serving the, the Dubai government. And that's when I jumped track and I got into the entrepreneurial sphere was after, you know, serving eight years with the Dubai government, I, you know, I just got that itch to create and to, to do something of my own, to carve my own path. So that's, so what would you say then inspired the change in path then? Because that's quite a drastic working for the government to, you know, just jumping ship and, and starting your own Absolute, thing. <laughs> absolutely. I think it was, it's more, it has to do with motherhood. I was mm-hmm. just I had a difficult time having children. And then when I got pregnant with my beautiful daughter, Isla, I just, I felt that I wanted to spend more quality time with her. In mm-hmm. all honesty, I, uh, I think it's really hard being an expat here. You, you do have access to support and help, mm-hmm. but it's not like having your parents around, you right, know? So I, I think leaving Isla for most of the time during the day with help and missing out on her beautiful moments, initial uh-huh. moments, and I knew that she was my miracle baby. I just felt, you know, I needed to have more time at my hand or more control of my time. Right. Working for the government was an absolutely incredible experience and it opened up so many doors for me. But I, at one point, I just felt that when Isla was around two, that it was time for me to have more control over my time mm-hmm. and to build something around her. And that's where I built my first enterprise was around her. The happy box was oh, literally, okay. was literally, she is my happy box and she is, <laughs> she's the inspiration behind it. Awesome. And by doing that and starting at home, I was able to be around her 
but also do something with my time that was exhilarating and different. And also it was a different, I mean, it was a different challenge. Mm -hmm. Literally, I just put myself out there. I just jumped ship and you know, yeah. here I was. I'm like, let's do this. <laughs> well, I think that's, that's the way you have to do things. I mean, there's never a perfect time or there's never the right time to do things, to do things like that. Like it's, it, it, start a business or have a child or there's never the right time to do it. You just got to jump in and do it. 100%. And there's no manual that tells no. you from oh, A to no. Z how to run it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Be it motherhood or having a business. I Absolutely. mean, <laughs> it's firsthand experience, literally. For sure. I mean, we learn from if our parents are around to help, they can help guide us with suggestions and ideas and whatnot and yes. what they did for us. But there, there's no manual. You just got to figure it out as you go kind of thing. Kids don't come with manuals and neither do nope. businesses. So, <laughs> Nope. And I learned that the hard way. And, <laughs> and no matter how much you read up upon, uh, on it, I mean, it's just these topics are, are just firsthand life experiences and you learn along the, along the way. Every That's day I'm right. learning till That's now. Right. I think yeah. doing is the best way to learn. It's like, think about when you travel the world, if you've had, if you've been lucky enough to have that opportunity, which you have to, to travel and see different places, but it, you compare that to reading about these places in school, in books, nothing compares mm -hmm. to actually being there and experiencing the place as opposed to reading about it. 100%, 100%. And I mean, and, and also the journey that you go yes. on, I mean, as it unfolds, like every day is a mystery, every day is excitement and you learn and you have your, you know, high moments and low moments. Sure. And then you feel like you're failing and then you feel like you've achieved. Yeah. And then it's just a, it's roller, a roller coaster. coaster. That's exactly <laughs> it. <laughs> so can you tell us a bit about the happy box? What, what the business is all about? Sure. Sure. Um, so the happy box is basically a social enterprise. It's mandated to provide opportunities for parents and children to spend quality time with each other through curated arts and crafts boxes. So the concept and the phenomenon has been, you know, has been in this in North America for a while and uh -huh. Europe, but it was very much new to the GCC region and the, the Middle East and North Africa region. Uh -huh. And I saw that there was so much potential uh, by bringing families back to basics and creating these different, you know, it's a full range of products that we create from A to Z from content development to actual production mm -hmm. and they're thematic based. So we have, you know, boxes about contemporary art. We have boxes about Islamic art and, you know, different types of themes and genres. And by, by buying this box, I mean, I mean, I found a way to package happiness in a way, you know, uh, for families. And um, when we first launched, we were the first do it yourself curated arts and crafts boxes in the region. And then as soon as I started, we had a whole bunch of new competitors that joined because it was very, you know, it was very new, the concept uh, to, to this region. Right. And there was a lot of value. There was a lot of value coming out of it. So even though I became an entrepreneur, there was always an element of giving back or that was community-based or family-based. Okay. So by strengthening family bonds, by creating opportunities to spend quality time with each other. I mean, these are all things that we, we kind of reflected on in our business. So the ethos of our business, yes, you know, there is a for-profit element, but also there is a massive component about a very human component to everything right. that we do. Right. How did you come up with the name for the business? 
It was with my sister-in-law. We were in the States at Norma's Cafe in New York. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we were just, we were having the best, you know, waffles that you can possibly ever imagine. <laughs> and, um, and obviously through Sugar Rush and family and everything, it was January 1st, 2014, New Year's Day. And we were just talking about, you know, what makes us happy? Like, what is happiness? You know, and I think along that, you know, during the 2014, I mean, there was songs about happiness, you know, everything was, it was like kind of this sudden movement about what is happiness and governments were integrating it. And it was like the hottest talk out there, you know? Yeah. And we were like, okay, just imagine we are able to deliver happiness to families through our art boxes. And then we were like, well, why don't we just call it the happy box? And, and that's what it, what it is. It is a happy box. And that's how the name was born. Very cool. So where do you see the business going? Where do you want to take it? What's your goals for it going forward? Well, ultimately the brand very much evolved. So we had, you know, I started with the happy box, which Uh is arts and craft curated boxes. And Uh then the brand evolved to also having another brand called the happy studio, which is a community center okay. where we have workshops and it's also our production facility for the happy boxes. Okay. And then along the lines, we introduced also happy hearts global, which is more our charitable arm and more about the foundation. And so everything that we've done is around happiness or maybe contentment or joy. So I really see, I, and I envision in the coming few years where the product product expansion Mm -hmm. but then also a lot more focus on the philanthropic angle that we are very much you know focused on right now it's through happy hearts global so i see both from a products perspective expansion of that but then also an entry into new markets but then also a lot more good in terms of giving back to communities be it through building schools or creating you know programs that are around our art programs in in you know refugee camps Mm -hmm. or in underprivileged communities uh so i see a lot more of that element of giving back and we're already in talks with mega players on board that will help facilitate that That yeah so awesome that's that's where i am vision it hopefully pretty lofty goals i'm sure you'll get there i'm sure you will hopefully art art plays such an important part with children i think and it needs to be in all schools and accessible for all children because it it really helps in the development whether it be um, through painting or drawing or music or anything like that all arts i think are integral for kids i believe 100% 100% art is therapeutic it's it's a language it's a universal language that everyone speaks it's very individualistic as well mm-hmm. you can express you can you know it's it's a beautiful way to bring also people together Absolutely. Um, so yeah so I mean by integrating it but then also focusing on education and mm-hmm. the impact of education and breaking that cycle of poverty is very much key so through our happy hearts foundation you know, it's, it's really important that, you know, the infrastructure of the school is there, but then there's also access to water, to sanitation, to food, nutrition, all of those elements play into, you know, breaking that cycle of poverty. So, so big plans, big plans, Brad. (laughs) I think that's incredible work you're doing though. It's, it's, thank you. You should be very proud. 
Thank you. Thank you. Now, I read that with these happy ventures, you've also taken things back. And I know you've mentioned the philanthropic Mm -hmm. work. You've taken it back to basics in terms of your roots with philanthropic work. Can you tell us a bit more about your community and philanthropic work and how that relates to your happy ventures a bit more? Sure. Sure. Absolutely. So I, like I said, um, you know, so my background is social development and philanthropy. Mm. So when I did start my brands, I could never be for profit. And that's where Happy Hearts Global came into play. So mm-hmm. initially, Happy Hearts was more of a program. So okay. it was like one of our initiatives that we did as, a, as part of the CSR of the company. Uh, we would, we've been to 11 countries so far where we've gifted happy boxes, like educational kits mm-hmm. that they use them in emergency situations that are approved by the UN. So we've gifted them in refugee camps and, and orphanages and underprivileged communities. And it was done very much on the basis of obviously with partners. So, mm-hmm. you know, the big kind of fives in terms of the partners from UNHCR to Save the Children to Ox, uh, to not Oxfam, sorry, to UNICEF. So we've worked mm-hmm. alongside with all of them in delivering these these educational kits. But then somewhere along the lines, I just felt like it wasn't enough. You know, you can, you can create instant joy with our boxes, but then is it long-term? No, it's not. You know, you, you might bring a smile to a community's, uh, you know, to a child's face, for example, but it's momentarily. So that's where Happy Hearts Global as a foundation uh, was, was kind of in the works Mm -hmm. um and we are in the process of registering it under the uk charity commission it's a private foundation family funded completely and it's more focused on long-term sustainable programs be it through infrastructure as i said or water and sanitation or food or through art therapeutic programs so it's more on that long-term development scale that Mm -hmm. we're aiming to do that will be impactful and primarily also for girls because uh, the focus of the foundation will be more on, obviously we're inclusive of boys yes. if, you know, if the need yeah. is there, mm-hmm. but it is uh, our target is more girls uh, because when you give, I mean, when you give a girl access to education, mm-hmm. you not, you change her family, you change the community, you break that cycle of poverty and you change a generation. It opens the world up for them. Well, I think that's incredible. Again, (laughs) the work you're doing is phenomenal. I'm blown away. It's so incredible. Thank you. Why is this type of work, philanthropic and charity and community work, so important to you personally? I think it stems from the belief that, I mean, it was part of my upbringing. Mm -hmm. Um, I was born into the UN system, you know, and with my father's work and I mean I the first time I visited the field was when I was five in Sudan it was the first time that I went to school and I saw over 60 kids cramped in 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 a classroom uh, barefoot um, you know without any pencils and pens Uh and, and workbooks and just that as a kid seeing that I think when you expose children at a very young age to the realities of the world Mm -hmm. and you know and how privileged we are it really changes the perspective and I always felt and I and I go by this motto um which is Gandhi's words actually Mm -hmm. be the change you wish to see in the world and I really feel that each of us is here that we have to play a role in giving back and 
I mean, and that was that was my entry point into that world. And so growing up, I mean, I, I volunteered um, at orphanages. I, wow. I, I made it I made it part of my life, uh, mm-hmm. my life's work. And then when I did gra- and, and even like my undergraduate degree and my graduate degree from Oxford, it all stems around social development. And I, okay. and I felt that that's where the greatest impact that I could make as a human being. Incredible. Did your dad, I know obviously your dad was a huge influence in terms of that type of work because of his work, but did your parents kind of encourage you to do volunteer work when you were younger? Or was that just something you wanted to do because of what you were exposed to? Absolutely. I think, I think my mother is incredibly charitable. Mm -hmm. Um, She's, you know, she's worked with so many foundations Mm -hmm. uh, through her time you know she was a full-time mom to six children absolutely amazing firecracker (laughs) (laughs) but she always found time to give back and then my father's work I mean he's he's changed the lives of hundreds of thousands of women and children around Mm -hmm. the world and just seeing you know how impactful he was with his life's mission I always felt that that was something I always wanted to do and of course they were very encouraging absolutely okay and um yeah yeah. Now you've received multiple nominations and awards for your work. What do these awards and nominations mean to you? Mm-hmm. Like, do they have the same impact on you now as you progress in your entrepreneurial role as, as opposed to when you first started out and which one of these awards or nominations means the most to you? I think along the journey, like when we did start getting awards and nominations and all of that, I mean, it's beautiful to be recognized for the work that you do. Of course. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all need to be recognized, even if it's a great work, you know, Brad? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we all need that recognition. I mean, we're humans at the end of the day, yeah. but honestly, I, they don't mean much to me okay. in general. It may be, it may be, it may be great for my team to see that and mm-hmm. for the work and the effort that they do uh, to be recognized. But I feel that you need to, you need to award yourself every single day because right. every day is an adventure. Every day is an achievement. Um, so I'm very honored to have yeah. been awarded these awards. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. And, and also as, as from a brand perspective and all of that, I mean, I'm honored that my staff and my team are actually celebrated, you know, Mm -hmm. for the work that they do, but that's not my goal. You know, my, my goal is actual, you know, tangible for sure. 100%. What would you say is your favorite part of your career? Like what lights you up the most about it, about what you do? Oh my, I just the ability (laughs) to, to really, to just see, see how we light up everyone's face, you know, Mm -hmm. like when, when you get comments about when they receive our products or services, you know, when you see that, um, that there's that, that instant joy that they receive, that really makes my day. It's like a client feedback makes my day. A testimonial makes my day. You know, I I, I think it's the little, the little moments that really make the difference. You Mm -hmm. know, like I said, this, this, this whole, you know, the happy box has never been just for profit. It's been very passion led. So when you see that, you know, that impact on the families and the communities, that's what I love the most. It it makes me sparkle, makes me super happy. (laughs) I I think when you lead with passion, it just, it makes all the difference in the world when it comes from a place of genuine and authenticity. Yes, of course, the purpose of a business is to make money, but it's not the be all and end all. And when you lead with that attitude, the money will follow, the money will come. Mm -hmm. 
It's it's about having the impact and Absolutely. the authenticity of it. It makes a huge difference. So I think that Absolutely. people see that authenticity and it's infectious and they, they follow and they believe in it as well. And it just, it's a domino effect, right? 100%. I, I, if you're genuine about the work that you do, I mean, there are times and we've all had, you know, through businesses where you feel like, oh my gosh, how am I going to pay rent? Or how, mm-hmm. or how are we going to do this? Or how are we going to do that? You know, because life throws balls at you, a little, sure. you know, and you're like, whoa, where did that come from? Yeah, and then you think, wow, how am I going to make this work? And then something happens and then it just falls into place. And yeah. you know that it's because A, you have a mandate, a very strong Mm -hmm. mandate. You are very structured. There's a strategy in place. But then also it's genuine. It comes from a place of passion. And people buy into that. They believe in it. And then you have, you have, you know, you have a tribe that believes in you. 100%. To date, what would you say is your biggest hire, your greatest win? Expansion globally, 100%. (laughs) When Brad, I started this company on my dining room table, it moved to my garage and then it Mm -hmm. moved to one of the the most significant art districts in the UAE. So, you know, and then when we started getting franchise requests and then moving it, expanding it globally, that was like, I was blown away, you know, because then you, you not only had buy-in from your community or your family or your friends, you started having like global interest and buy-in and, you know, and, and when investors come in and they say, we want to invest and then you're like, ah, no, it's okay. This is self-funded. But then, you know, it kind of feels like, you know, you're onto something really awesome. (laughs) I can't even imagine how that must've felt when you first, what was the first, um, or where did the first interest globally come from? Which, what area? Brazil. Really? (laughs) Wow. So like literally I got, I mean, we received so many franchise requests within about six months of operating. We were like, whoa, we had like 12 franchise. Yeah, we had 12 Ooh, franchise yeah. requests on the table and, and I had still, I still had no idea what I was doing. Right. <laughs> and so, and the first franchise request came from Brazil and it was this guy in Brazil. He sent me an email. He said, you know, I'm really interested to take your brand to Brazil. I'm like, hold on. We're not ready yet, you know, but thank you. I mean, it's been a great honor to receive that. What was, uh, what was the first one you agreed to? Where did that come from? Was it Brazil? Bahrain. Or? It was Bahrain. So, okay. no, no, no. It was Bahrain. So the first region that we expanded to was Bahrain. And then we also expanded to Qatar, Oman, Saudi, and Kuwait. By expanding across the region here where we're at, it was just, it was easy for us to do because there are similar territories to the UAE. So it was scalable, you know, and it was adaptable. And it was also still a learning curve because once you start scaling up globally, it means that you have to have logistics in place, Mm -hmm. you know, carriers, uh, franchisees, finding the right partners that really believe in your mandate. And don't just look at it as number based, you know, that it's more about, it's more about the umbrella theme of, of giving back and, you know, what we're all about. That was, I mean, I was really blessed to find amazing partners on board that helped us throughout the way. This really has been a learn as you go process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I tell you, like it's, and it's still a learning process. Yeah, like it's still a journey. Crazy. You should be incredibly proud though. Wow. Thank you. What Thank do you. you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful? I think uh, delegating. Absolutely. Yeah. 
okay. learning the art to be macro versus micro. Mm-hmm. And that took me a while. I've, I've always been micro in my career journey since I started, since I started very young. Mm-hmm. Um, and so learning to let go and trusting people to, with your vision and your mandate, that was the hardest part. But once you master that, you can achieve so much that because you instill the element the control, of right? empowerment. Yep. That, that, 100%. That, would be very that hard. was really hard for me. Mm-hmm. That was, that was really hard for me, but I, I feel that I'm, I'm, I've been able to be macro and to instill that trust and empowerment. But of course, you know, I do have my say in certain things because as a brand and as a very personal brand, it needs to be reflective of, you know, there, there's, there's a standard that you can't go beyond. For sure. For sure. So speaking of success, what does that word mean to you? How do you define the word success? Success for me, I mean, success is so cliche, you know, what is success? Success, I think it's learning as you, you know, it's, it's being able to accept that you can, you know, learning along the way, accepting your mistakes and learning from them and then doing better the next day. That is in a nutshell, what, what I believe success is. Beautiful. What makes you feel inspired or like your best self? Art for sure. When I go to see art galleries or art fairs um, or meet with some of the artists. I, I, actually, there's two, art mm-hmm. and also children because a child's perspective on life is just incredible. And so I get a lot of inspiration from that. <laughs> it just well, it it comes, breaks it, it down. It comes from such a place of innocence, right? Yeah. With the children. So yeah, art art is actually, it is so incredible. Like you said earlier, it's it's a healer. It just it has the power to change the world. It truly does. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. What is one of the best pieces of advice you've ever received? Never, ever settle ever. (laughs) And it's cliche. Yes, but absolutely never compromise your values, no Mm -hmm. matter what. What was a turning point in your life and how did that affect you? I think the greatest turning point in my life, Actually, I would have to say two, motherhood and my father's passing. Mm-hmm. The, those, those two impacted me greatly. Who then have been the three most influential people in your life? My mom, my dad, and Isla, for sure. My daughter. <laughs> of course. My little sparkle. <laughs> <laughs> your happy box. <laughs> yeah, but, but you know what, Brad? I must say as well, like, I've been very blessed to have an amazing support Mm-hmm. Uh, unit from friends to my team to you know so I, I to family so I've been very fortunate to have amazing um, people that I could rely on around me it, it truly does take a tribe it really does yes. it takes a village yes. 100% what do you think the most common reason is for people failing or giving up they don't have the right support system If you have the right support system in place, if you have people that believe in you, even if it's just one person, Uh you, you, you know, you can achieve so much. There are times where I thought I was going to give up and then, you know, I had a friend or a family member or someone tell me, no, it's time, you know, just keep moving forward. Keep your eye on the ball, Jemana. Keep your eye on the ball. (laughs) Wise, very wise words. Mm Mm-hmm. What would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? And what was your life like before learning it? And what was your life like after learning it? 
I think grief for sure. Um, I had never experienced it until the passing of my dad. Mm -hmm. And that has made me so much more human, so much more human. Um, and more in tune, more kinder to myself as well. Okay. We're going to do a little rapid fire section here. So the next group of questions are one, two, three, four word answer type thing. Okay. Okay. Got it. What what makes you smile? Isla, my daughter, pride and joy. (laughs) Your sparkle. (laughs) (laughs) Literally. How would you describe yourself in one word? Human. That's an interesting one. (laughs) Never heard that one before. What's the first thing you notice about a person? Uh, smile. What's the first thing you think of when I say the word future? Digital. If you came with a warning label, what would yours say? Beware. <laughs> <laughs> if you could change one thing about the world, what would you change? Oh, poverty. Definitely. What is your favorite entrepreneurial book? Blue Ocean Strategy. If you could teach the world one thing, what would it be? Sorry, Blue Ocean Strategy. Oh. It is by Renee Moburn. Mo- I can never pronounce her name, but Renee. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I took it during INSEAD. It was, like we studied it during INSEAD. It was amazing. Okay. I will have to look that one up. Yeah, sure. you must. <laughs> if you could teach the world one thing, what would it be? Power of giving back. What's one thing you want but cannot buy with money? Want or, um, okay, want, uh, peace of mind. Entrepreneur life is? A roller coaster. Mom life is? Rebirth. My favorite way to unwind is? Walk by the beach. The last podcast or book, the last podcast I listened to or book I read was? The Prophet by Khalil Gibran. It's poetry at its best. Beautiful. Okay. If you had a theme song that played every time you walked into a room, what song would that be? Uh, It would be Celebration. (laughs) Cool in the gang. Cool in the gang. (laughs) (laughs) Because I really believe life is a celebration. (laughs) For sure. Okay, that that finishes or ends our rapid fire section. Okay. What is the most recent investment you've made into yourself? Ooh. Okay, so two. On a personal basis, I have taken up uh, singing. (laughs) Oh, okay. Very cool. So I actually have a vocal. Yeah, I have a vocal coach, and I am releasing a track just for me before I hit forty as part of my bucket list. Yes, that is awesome. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you, thank you, thank you. And then on a professional basis, I during lockdown, this crazy, insane year, I did a course on leadership for about three months, uh, an executive education course on Mm -hmm. uh, leadership from the Swedish Institute. Very cool. Thank you. It is important that we do invest in ourselves. It's key. I mean, you have to, you have to take care of yourself and look after yourself first before you can help other people. So self-investment is incredibly important. 100%. If you could set up a billboard anywhere, where would you put it and what would it say? Times Square, uh, you are magic. <laughs> I thought you were going to have something around Like in, in neon, bold, you know, yeah. like neon lighting. No, no, no. Like neon lighting. And then it just screams at you that says yeah. you are magic. Beautiful. What is one of your biggest failures or life lessons? And what did you learn from it? 
my greatest life lesson, it goes back to uh, losing my dad. That was, that was, that I've never, you know, that, that was really a turning point in my life. Mm -hmm. And it changed a lot of things in terms of how I see the world, how I do business, how I see myself. Um, So that was a massive turning point in my life. Massive. When you make a mistake, how do you move on? I acknowledge it. I make mistakes every day. I'm human, but I acknowledge it. I see the areas that I could do better. And then I try and do better and keep moving forward. I always, the momentum of moving forward is really important. For sure. How would you like to be remembered? Someone who made a difference. 100%. Pretty simple. Uh, I'd love, I'd love my legacy to be someone who, who really made a difference Mm -hmm. in the world. Giovanna, if you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? Control the controllables. There's so much that is outside of our control that rather than focusing on controlling or worrying about the things that we can't control, we just focus on the things that are within our our reach and then we leave it to the journey itself. Beautiful. I love that. Lastly, if you were to deliver your last 30 second speech to the world, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? Your life, uh, I would say your life is definitely a, a learning uh, ground. You keep moving forward, never, ever compromise your values and, you know, and, and also have fun along the way. Like, don't, you know, don't just, don't just be serious all the time. Life is about, is, is about really experiencing everything, the good and the bad, and celebrating along the way. Beautiful. I love it. Giovanna, thank you so much for taking the time to be here today. You are an incredible inspiration. The work you are doing is amazing. It is phenomenal. And what you're bringing to the world is just, it's its so incredible. I am in awe of what you're doing. And I appreciate you, you and it's just amazing. I, I thank you so much for taking the time thank to be you. here thank, today. Thank you, Brad. And I look forward to hosting you in Dubai soon. <laughs> yeah, that would be lovely. <laughs> that would be awesome. Thank you very much. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Jumana Aldarmish, the founder of The Happy Box, The Happy Studio, and Happy Hurts Global based in Dubai. Thank you so much, Jumana. I hope you have an amazing rest of the day. Thank you. You too. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca, follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast, and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.